you know, the current state of affiliate marketing. We've done this a few times, um, basically kind of going over how 2016 ended up for a lot of affiliates and then kind of, you know, hopping into new things that we can talk about that are kind of growth sectors and what people should be getting into in 2017. Now, as a lot of you that are watching this webinar, I'm sure many of you are doing a few of these practices that were quote unquote, the current state of affiliate marketing in 2016. The primary one of those being uh, content billing offers. And Ryan and I have mentioned a few times, you know, how they're not necessarily dying off because, you know, we always hear that certain things are dying off, but they're definitely getting more and more difficult to actually run, um, if not a compliantly, but definitely legally as well. And so because of that, things are going to get more tough with them. And I know Ryan has been uh, currently still running them. Um, and he even mentioned it's getting harder. If you'd like to, you know, hop yeah, in on the content billing offers, it's it's um, it's really been a, a, and I don't want to say it's a challenge. It's just changing. And so as we come into 2017, as a network owner and a software owner, um, that primarily we run a lot of content billing. What we're seeing is instead of running individual media buys for these type of offers, we're using them in a, in a rotation. So we're optimizing large volumes of traffic and then we're sorting out what really works. And that, that makes it more consistent because what we're seeing as a whole in the content billing industry right now is it's hard to get just one offer in one country consistent because it, it'll go up and it'll go down and then there's regulation changes. And so as we head into 2017, those that are, are pushing content billing based offers should do so where they, where you make a, a funnel out of it to where you can optimize based on the device someone's on. You can optimize based on the operator they're on. But then again, you're not relying just on one network operator in one country. So you can diversify the, the whole process. And so that's kind of where I'm seeing content billing going and, and where we're heading as a whole. And, and that's where I, I recommend to, to media buyers is, you know, as that industry continues to change, we just can change. We adapt and develop and progress with it as a whole. So yes, is content billing, is that still working in 2017? Well, absolutely. Content billing offers, they're here to stay, but it's going to change the way they're ran. And you're going to see um, a lot different type of content and you're going to see a lot more compliance come in from a lot of different people throughout the industry. So right now, as we're in this transition period, what I recommend doing is you build out funnels. You don't want to rely just one sole media buy just on the country, just on the on one operator, because it's it's um, there's too much um, room for error. So if you're wanting consistency, it's about developing a complete content billing funnel. Yeah, and we're going to start seeing the actual content billing offers be more geared towards actually content that people want. Like I know there was a company in China that just hooked up with, um, I think it was doing like NFL through content billing. Mm -hmm. And you just gotta, you gotta rethink, you know, what content billing is. It's just kind of a, another payment gateway in a lot of these other countries that they don't have, you know, credit cards or other forms of payment. And so content billing is the only way that content providers can really build these users. And so we're probably definitely going to start seeing, you know, more like Hollywood type movies or, you know, whatever it is called in a particular geo, um, you know, popular TV shows and stuff like that as, as content billing offers and similar to like Netflix and other services like that start to go to this content billing flow. And we'll start to slowly phase, phase away from, you know, these soup states and antivirus and all these other things that content billers are currently doing. Yeah, I think that the, the sweet stakes was good because it kind of, 
the sweepstakes and and the other types of content that kind of started off the industry. But now last year in the, in the last two quarters, um, we saw that Benbit announced with the NBA. Or this was last year. I'm sorry, last quarter one and quarter two, they had a partnership with the NBA where you could download videos from the NBA and and watch certain pieces of content um, once you were billed. So I, I think that we're going to see that whole industry go more towards that. And you know, as a whole, as we become more into streaming, I think it provides a lot of opportunities as we start to see Netflix-type apps on our phones and on our iPads. Um, instead of just streaming Netflix, we, we're, I think we're going to see a lot of content providers that will you you will go through the subscription flow, and then you have access to maybe a 15-minute program or a 30-minute program. And I think it's also exciting because it's a, a huge demographic that it can reach. I, I, I know my four-year-old nephew, he loves to watch YouTube videos. So imagine that on a scale of where people are actually paying for that type of content worldwide. And I really think that that's where a lot of content billing, the direction it's going to go, more so than just um, download an app or, or just stream it for free. Yeah. And that kind of ties into the other primary type of offers that a lot of affiliates are still running, which was which we're starting to see die off. And it's not the fact that these apps are going away. It's just the fact that the companies that are creating these apps are learning the KPIs that they need to actually make money from these apps. There's no longer, and what I'm getting at is these aggressive app installs where they're just trying to go completely global and get as many installs as they possibly can in the hopes that they'll figure out, they'll just get a big user base and then make money later. And the reason that was so successful in 2014, 15, and partly 2016, was because there was a lot of funding in, you know, like the Bay Area, uh, Silicon Valley, and stuff like that, that was investing in these new apps that were just trying to get a large user base. But that's starting to kind of die off. Um, as far as the actual funding itself is starting to die off. So these app installs have less, uh, basically branding budget, so to speak, not so much performance budget. And also they are learning the KPIs that they need to actually make money from these app installs. And so it's getting a lot harder for your average affiliate to run these because they're requiring a lot more things like, you know, staying on, uh, having the user download the app and actually remain a user of it for at least three days as an example, or do a certain action inside the app itself. It's no longer just, you know, get paid to actually install the app. It's now swapping to almost now a, a CPA even with app installs because you're still only getting paid if the uh, user of the app actually per actually does a function or purchases something of that sort. Yeah, tech. If actually TechCrunch ran an article in this month and it talked about the, the same subject, and so I think we are seeing a lot of the the brand budgets that we saw that came in from all this funding. Someone has a good app, they get a lot of funding, and they come out and they cast this wide net. Now in 2017, it's going to be more of this this lower net. It's not going to be such a wide net, but it's going to be much more exact, exactly what they want. So when they're working with um, affiliates or um, I want to say really app media buyers because the word affiliates, um, you know, really just doesn't ring well to a lot of these um, type of clients. But um, I, I feel like they're going to be more specific, um, especially when they say when their um, KPIs is, um, you know, we need someone that's going to stay on the app for longer than three day retention, but we also need other actions um, present. And so that as they drill down their audience, what exactly works? And they're making money and it takes them a less amount of time to make money versus this huge wide net. So just getting tons of users and then kind of sorting it out later. 
um, while that's good for us as the affiliates to to generate that install in the long run, you know, eventually that that kind of dries up those brand budgets or even burn budgets as we we saw in quarter four this year. All kinds of um, app clients they had all these budgets and we could we could just burn them because it, it, they didn't work so concerned about the KPIs. It was all about the installs. But now as we enter 2017, they're being very meticulous already. So I think we're going to see less of the aggressive app installs and more of the exact KPIs. Here's what we need. Here's what we're looking for. And I know a lot of you that are, are going to see that as demotivating, but you actually have to see it as a positive because what it, the harder it is for someone to do something, it makes it, uh, it raises the barrier to entry. So therefore it makes it more profitable for the people that actually are willing to go through the hoops and actually continue, you know, trying to get this and trying to get it working and stuff like that. And so, the primary thing that you really want to focus on in 2017 is, you know, in, in previous years, we were able to just run paid traffic to these app installs and do well. Well, you're really a middleman when you do that. And so now, as we go into 2017 and in the future, you have to own either the traffic or own the actual offer itself to, to really uh, push out a lot of the competition or you have to have some type of method to generate very, very targeted uh, demographic traffic that those app installs need. And as Ryan kind of mentioned with content billing, you wanna kind of segment your traffic to you know, send them to the right offer that may not be the most profitable for you, but will definitely be the most profitable for the advertiser itself. So your quality is good. Hopefully they give you a bump. If nothing else, you can at least stay on the app install while, other, while others are getting kicked off. Yeah, and I think um, you know, I think we're going to see just more and more of that, and and I, I think it too is affiliates become more experienced. They can start to gauge some of these quality KPIs, and uh, I'm actually working on um, a course right now on app marketing, and that's what I talk a lot about in there is like being prepared for the KPIs and looking for these signals ahead of the game. So before an advertiser says, well, the quality is no good, that you're going to know after your first five, 10, 20 installs, there's a couple metrics that you can look at yourself to see, you know, am I reaching stuff that I know that they're going to be looking at before we even dig deeper into the actual points inside the app when they're wanting to make a user purchase or they're wanting to accomplish a user goal. Even before then, we can look as the affiliate, um, from our traffic and we can examine certain uh, metrics on our end, and especially using a tracker such as iMobiTracks, we're able to examine just a couple of data points to make sure that's good out of the gate. Being being able to, uh, to see those early on and then to scale out with those gives any affiliate, in my opinion, a big competitive advantage because they're already meeting the initial KPI before they go inside the app. Yeah, and sorry, I was reading, we're getting a lot of questions here. We're, we'll do, question like Q&A um, after we kind of go through a few of these subjects just to so continue asking the questions if you're if you have some but uh, we'll have to scroll back through them and you know read them and go through them um, the the to kind of switch subjects one more time the, the the other main thing that we were really hearing about in 2015 2016 was aggressive paper call stuff and I know in yeah, and I know in a previous webinar, I kind of we kind of hinted paper call, and then we didn't really talk about it. Um, so I definitely want to go into more details about how I'm running it, just kind of give you a broad spectrum. But the aggressive stuff is really like the tech support, which a lot of you know you can make a lot of money from doing, but you have to cloak or you know know someone at the at the uh, 
traffic source to actually get your stuff on there. It's a terrible user experience, but it converts like fire, but it's aggressive and it won't be around in the long run. However, that's not saying that paper call is dying. There's tons and tons and tons of niches where paper call will be successful. And kind of going back to what I had just said about you need to either own the traffic or you need to own the offer. There's multiple ways that you can create your own offers pretty simply. One of those being, for example, the primary type of business that needs paper call or needs calls to their business is, you know, local businesses, for example, plumbers, you know, lawn care services, dentists, et cetera. And it's simple to like, you got to understand that these guys are getting bombarded all the time with, you know, kind of scammy guys saying, Hey, you know, I can do SEO for you and all this stuff. When in reality, all you have to do is say, Hey, would you like some, would you like some free leads or would you like some, would you like to, you know, get some more customers, provide the value first, send them free leads, then go back to them. And once you've sent them a few sales, you can easily sign them. And the, the best part about local, especially is the fact that once you sign a client, no one else is going to be able to compete with you because it's a lot of hoops to go through. A lot of affiliates like to hide behind their computer. They don't like to actually, you know, go talk face to face to a lot of these businesses. And so that is a huge competitive advantage that will allow you to actually run on Google, allow you to run on Facebook, allow you to, you know, run even traditional marketing, like, you know, yellow pages. You can even run billboard ads, bandit signs. You can run a ton of different stuff that, uh, you know, makes the amount of traffic that you can send to these offers a lot more. Once again, less competition. And it's something that will have longevity because it's something you're not going to get kicked off of these traffic sources with because you're helping real businesses. You're actually providing a service that people actually do want. I, I feel like Brent in the, in the whole affiliate industry and, and I feel like everyone goes super aggressive into any new sector of affiliate marketing. It's like, here's the line of aggressiveness and everyone just goes completely past it and goes as hard as they can, which I understand, you know, we're performance marketers. We're trying to make the best ROI possible. So with the tech support paper call, everyone just went to completely as hard as they could. And of course you're seeing a bad user experience and then you're starting to get a lot of pushback and then you get even a bad rep for the whole paper call industry. So, in a way, the tech support type stuff, I mean, that was a, a good thing in the industry in a way because it shows the power of paper call. And it shows that paper call, there's tons, tons of money to be made in it. And we're really just still scratching the surface. But at the same time, going that aggressive with it, while it may be good in the short term, it's just not a long-term business plan. It's a house of cards essentially because you're building up this huge, this huge campaigns or um, this huge business. And then if it's so aggressive, then it's just gonna get taken away. But taking that um, angle that you're talking about, I mean, I've seen your results and we've talked a lot about this. I mean, that's where a lot of money can be made. And, you know, there's a little bit, it's a little bit more difficult when you, when you take the time to actually develop these relationships with clients individually. But then once you look at that on a, on a six, seven, eight month um, timeline, um, it's really not that much work uh, compared to the payoff. Um, and especially with not going so aggressive, you don't have to worry about you know, losing your campaign overnight because there's nothing worse than seeing success, seeing really good success for a month or two months and then digressing back three months because everything's wiped out. And so not only do you have to start over, you have to start rebuilding your name, rebuilding your reputation, and especially if you're getting kicked off traffic sources, I mean, you're gonna have to rebuild those relationships. So. 
uh, tech support, um, it was a, it's a good thing to, for it shows us how it does work and, and how paper call is growing, but it's a, it's a bad thing that everyone wants to go so far aggressive. Go, go over here to the middle. We want performance results, but we don't want to just go completely, um, you know, off the end as far as, um, compliance goes. Yeah. And when something's that aggressive, you know, everyone starts to jump on it. And once it becomes quote unquote mainstream in the affiliate space, it means it's getting a lot more difficult because more and more people are hopping in. And now the guys that were making, you know, 10 grand a day, their pie is getting smaller and smaller because more people are hopping on. And it's because it's easy to get into. All you got to do is get an offer from your affiliate network and run traffic, right? There's not right. much else right. to it. You don't yeah, have to really throw talk as much traffic as you can at it and then see yeah. what it converts so high. You know, really, as long as you're not paying an extreme amount, you know, you can do pretty good with it. Yeah. And you got to understand, though, that he, that is just something that we do on the computer. And that is going to we're middleman is essentially what's happening. And we're going to quickly get replaced. And what I mean by that is we're already starting to see it with programmatic media buying. We're already seeing AdWords start to do conversion. Uh, based bidding, same with Facebook. As now, they may not be that the best at the moment, but as they get more powerful, as they learn, as they collect more data, and actually are able to know the exact person that's going to fit your product or service the best, us as affiliates are slowly going to go away. And that's why I'm kind of, you know, hinting: you need to make your own product, or you need to make your own traffic. And what that means is create your own content. What are you doing right now? You're watching our webinar. It's content, blog posts, you know, whatever, eBooks, podcasts, there's tons of content. Content won't go away. Or if you have a product, you go the opposite where you hook up with guys that already have the content and then you have the product. So they push that as well. But just running traffic to something that you don't own to from traffic that you don't own, you're slowly going to get phased out because it's going to get more difficult as, like I said, programmatic media buying becomes more powerful. You're going to see less of us around. Yeah, I, I've always liked this. I've always said that you should use your affiliate, your affiliate relationships like that. Use that as stepping stones to something bigger, something greater. So as you start to have success promoting other offers with third-party traffic, you want to start building for the longer term, whether that's developing your own product or creating your own content, uh, creating your own traffic. I, I think that any affiliate, or I know that any affiliates that's been a long, been around longer than a decade, that they've done just that. And looking back at this um, past. December made 18 years that I've been working online and each year I build upon something else. I, I may be an affiliate, I may run affiliate offers, but I'm always building upon something else, applying those same strategies. So it's not just um, direct linking out to an offer. It's actually either making some traffic to link out to more of those offers or actually making out my own type of product and where I may use arbitrage to where I still promote affiliate offers. Um, I'm very diversified. So it's not like, it's not that house of cards that um, is built up for a couple months and then falls down. It's a it's a gradual increase um, and especially very long term. Yeah, absolutely. And with with the content creation, I also wanted to mention that you can make your own apps. Uh, another one is a physical product. We're definitely going to see a lot of people start talking about Shopify stores and stuff like that. <laughs> making your own Shopify store. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't done. I, I've tried it. Haven't done too much with it. I'm not so much a physical product type of guy. I more prefer digital just because it can scale exponentially. And the the fact that we're going to start to see, you know, we're going to start merging away from 
these these scammier affiliate uh, digital products and, and a lot of people are going to start merging into physical products from Shopify and stuff. I want to merge a totally different direction and, you know, going with like the paper call at a, at a local level, like I said, more work, but you know, no one's going to be competing with me with the, the clients that I have signed now. I'm going to have those for years. Yeah, most likely. I, I, I find that really interesting, Brent. You know, I, I've seen over the last two years, I've seen even affiliate networks that have primarily just been signing advertisers and then giving those offers out to affiliates. I'm seeing them develop internal teams to where they're doing their own physical products on, Shop, on Shopify and are selling those products. But then you get in the whole drop shipping and warehousing and uh, it's quite the pain in the butt. I'm not a huge fan of it because I, I don't like to do that type of stuff. I don't like to do the warehousing and packaging and, and shipping. I'm more of a digital service, um, digital product type guy because like you said, it can be scaled and it can be scaled exponentially. And that's, I think that's one of the most attractive things to paper call to me is it's basically taking all that same service aspect, but then it's adding a whole new dimension to it. Um, and as you said, as you sign more and more clients, of course, that revenue and profit comes right with it. And and same with that the whole scaling process of it. You can scale a lot quicker and don't have to worry about the waking up every day and start distributing and manufacturing. Man, that it can be it can be very lucrative, but it's a of course it's a it's a job in itself. Yeah, and I. Just to be clear, I don't I don't want to get give you the impression that people aren't making money with the Shopify stores and the funnels and stuff. But think of it this way. Would it be easier for someone to jump in into a local market? So, for example, like Kansas City lawn care or Kansas City plumbing or whatever and and get all the uh, you know keywords, run Facebook at a local level there. Or would it be more difficult to compete against someone on Outbrain and you know all of these native advertisings running flashlight offers or Shopify stores and, and all that stuff, most likely the local level stuff is gonna be much easier for you because there's the only competition that you're really gonna have. There will be a few marketers you know, in each local region, but in most cases you're going up against the actual business owners themselves. And most of these guys have no idea how to market. Their full-time job is, you know, being a plumber, being a painter, being a commercial landscaper. They don't have time to learn how rapidly everything's changing. And so that's where you can fit in and fit into the marketplace and do well for businesses, make a lot of money, but also, like I said, providing some real value, which is very fulfilling as opposed to running an aggressive thing, you know, looking at it and saying, oh, well, I'm getting someone to click on this and they may or may not have wanted this content. It's a totally different feeling, especially when you're watching the businesses that you are promoting grow. So. It's, it's easier to take over too. It's easier to come into a local market and just do a complete marketing blitz where you can come in and, and you can just own that whole area. Uh, I, I, that's one of the most attractive things to me about it is that you can get in and you can pretty much dominate an entire cities, um, whatever that lead may be that you're trying to generate or whatever that niche that you're in, you can go in and you can cast this net over top of a, a local area. And as you said, your competition is mostly your local plumbers that they may have a, a guy or gal that's hired in their company, or maybe they've hired an agency to create their ads, but they're really not on top of it as much so as us performance marketers. So we can really come in and we know these tips and tricks to get the CPC low, the CPM lower, and we can go in and just dominate with our ads 
and um, scale a lot more. And then once we figure out how to do one city, then we just go to the next and then we start scaling outwards that way. And so our campaigns become more targeted. Our relationships even come better with our reps at Facebook, our reps at Google, because we can kind of explain to them our business model instead of just saying, well, I want it all. And then again, I'm going against someone else that wants it all. And so I, I really feel that that local takeover, so to speak, is it's really attractive to me going in and just kind of owning the whole, the whole niche, that whole local area. And ironically, I actually had a lot of clients that I was trying to sign. And at first they're very hesitant because they're like, oh, we already hired, you know, a web designer. We already hired a marketing firm who's doing the SEO and the PPC for us. And, but the thing is, is a lot of these agencies, they don't actually charge based on performance. They charge based on a monthly fee. And so they're charging these businesses, you know, 500, a thousand, $2,000 a uh, month to to run their ads, but they don't really care about the performance because they get paid regardless. So if you hop on board and you start running this stuff like a performance-based offer for these local businesses, all of a sudden they're going to see, hey, wow, Brent's sending me a lot of customers while I'm wasting $2,000 a month with you know, so-and-so's PPC agency and they're not sending me any quality leads. And the crazy thing about it is, is it's actually really fun to do this because of all the different ways to market in a local area. Like I mentioned, bandit signs, the billboards, radio ads, even like I, I was talking to one of my buddies and he said that he's, he was talking to a guy at affiliate summit that is doing a hundred thousand a week with just radio ads. And <laughs> I didn't awesome. even really think about radio ads until he mentioned that. Like I, it was, you know, I knew about it, but that's something I haven't done yet. And so there's just tons of ways that most affiliates, they're all caught up in running pop ads or, you know, pop traffic. And we're over here doing totally different stuff that most people aren't even talking about. So it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And that's something that um, I'm doing for one of my businesses this year in Kansas City is taking that local market because you can go to these local news stations and you can take out commercials and it's not near as expensive on the national level. And then you can add that personal touch. So, for example, one of our uh, slogans is Kansas City's home web host. Um, and you wouldn't believe how well that type of marketing works and how many customers are actually in uh, the Kansas City area. So then going out and taking that to other cities. Um, you know, it's just a, a really exciting thing to do, uh, regardless of your niche. And there's definitely a, a push of of people that are kind of tired of large corporations owning everything. Like you, like we've kind of seen it in the U.S. where it's you know Small Business Day right after what is it Cyber Monday or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And so there's people that are willing to support small local businesses. And so, like Ryan just mentioned, even if you do have an international type business, you can still niche it down for specific regions and uh, basically still get those local clients, but yeah, the, the, yeah, and much and much better. The corporation just not cool anymore. People want to work with individuals like themselves, and and I think social media has allowed that to happen. It, it gives the the local business owner, the small business owner, a level playing ground again. Yep, and this kind of ties back into also doing content marketing. So if you really wanted to dominate a niche, say, say you want to dominate plumbers or whatever, you could build an international website for plumbers, you know, create a bunch of good content for plumbers and stuff like that, and then niche down for having individual pages for a local region and still do plumbers overall and have a backup offer from, you know, like uh, Invoca or something like that, where they have like an international plumber paper call offer until you start signing these other local clients and stuff like that.
Yeah, it's excellent. Excellent. Um, I, I want to, let's talk, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the diet and, and Nutra stuff. Uh, I know there's some people on the call that still probably run that. And they, as we all know, that's been a, it's since really 2009, 2010, when a lot of the regulations changed in the United States, we saw kind of a downward, downward trend. And we saw a lot of affiliates that once were are no longer. And, um, so we're seeing a lot of changes in that. And what do, what do you think, Brent, we're going to see here in 2017 with the whole Nutra diet, uh, skincare type stuff? Um, where do you think that's, that's heading? Well, <laughs> you know, it's amazing that stuff's still around. Like a lot of guys that are, you know, teaching mobile and stuff are actually just cloaking Facebook and running Nutra. So it's pretty ironic. But, uh, you know, I thought a while ago it was going to die, but especially with Trump literally just getting into office and him budgeting for for uh, lower FTC budgets, I actually think that Nutra and diet we're going to actually see grow because the less risk of getting caught and doing, you know, bad, you know, the, the shady side will grow. But I also definitely see the more white hat side growing where, um, I, once again, I've got a few buddies that are actually doing white hat um, diet and they're doing it they're not doing it in such a way where they're, you know, selling free trials for these weight loss pills. They're actually creating content on how to work out and how to do stuff that actually helps the customer. And they're making a killing because every time this year, you know, people get their goals ready and now they're going to lose a bunch of weight and all that. And they're seeing a huge influx while because they're building their brand, it's just going to continue. So you can scale it out to Amazon and all that stuff. While the the cloaking, you know, it's going to be offers will always go down. You're always going to get banned. You're always still going to have to cloak. But there's definitely going to be less of a risk from getting caught now if the budgets are lower. Now, I'm not saying that you should run aggressive. I'm just saying that there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to make a lot of money from it. But you should still focus on the white hat stuff because even if it's working now, it's it's eventually going to die off eventually. I think this goes back to even what we were talking about, the tech support paper call. At first, when the Nutrient Diet became popular, when Facebook's ad platform first came out, you know, it was pretty much the Wild West. Everyone could come on. You could you could get a landing page pretty easily. You can make one. Most people would steal one. Uh, put it on your Facebook. If you had to cloak it, you had to cloak it. Sometimes you didn't, even in the early days. And you can make a lot of money. But with anything else, we saw change. We saw federal regulations come down. We saw affiliate networks change. We saw advertisers change. And things had to adapt. And so we saw a big group of uh, affiliates, media buyers, networks go out there and really do things the right way. And so looking back at 2016, um, I, I'm really surprised at how the industry did adapt. And it's really um, impressive to see some of the people and what they've done and what they've created um, by making very, very good products and good advertising campaigns. Yes, there's still going to be that small percentage. It's always going to try to take a shortcut and always going to try to to cloak it. But that's just becoming very, very difficult, uh, especially it's not it's not, I always say the internet's developed so much more. So it's not really just as simple anymore as taking a, a very weak landing page or a pre-lander and then sending it out to a product. Now it's about actually developing out that full site and developing out a full funnel 
for nutra, for for diet, uh, for skincare. So where you're not only just collecting leads and generating sales, you're developing a lifetime customer. And so your your lifetime value of that customer goes up. So I'm seeing a lot of companies that are doing that. And um, I know me personally, with all my media buys, that's the direction that, um, that I've been going for the last seven years. I'm just adapting up out of that and then changing it into a, a very long-term business. Um, that, that goes about um, to where I don't have to worry about getting accounts or I don't have to worry about um, cloaking something, you know, where I can approach a company and everything is in order how it should be. So that's that's where I think that, you know, things are going to head in 17. Not, not saying that you won't still see it or it's not possible, um, but it's definitely more challenging. And as you said, if the, if the, if the government budgets change, then of course that might bring up some other, other people into it. And the other thing is, is if you are going the white hat method, you're building a, a, a real business. And I actually have one guy that I talk to quite frequently that actually sold a website that he created. And he, so he was doing more aggressive stuff than he trans transitioned it into creating his own content, building up his own website and then selling, eventually selling his own products. And you got to remember diet is never going to go away as a niche ever. Like people will always want to lose weight until we can just magically shed it off for real. And so there's other companies very, you know, like, uh, I forget what it's called. What, what's the uh, workout company? Like beach body, beach, beach yeah, body. Beach, there beach you go. Body, yep. Yeah. So if they're going to hop into a new niche or a, a new sub niche of diet and all of a sudden here's your website and you're already got the audience they're looking for, they're going to most likely they'll want to purchase it. Now, not only did you make the money from the performance of that website, but now you just made a huge infusion of cash by selling your asset because you were building an actual asset. You can't go to Beachbody and say, hey, I'm cloaking this cool Facebook campaign. You know, it's making me $10,000 a day. You want to buy this? They wouldn't right. want to be associated with that at all. They, you know, they hang up on you instantly because they're a real business. They don't want to do the short term stuff. And as as a lot of you are aware, obviously, Colloquium is getting more and more difficult. You're having to farm accounts and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And so as Facebook grows, you got to remember this super short-term mindset is if you get banned from Facebook or Google right now, even though you may be able to make a new account in the future who, who, or a new account right now, who's to say that in the future, Facebook and stuff doesn't recognize that you're really a fake person just starts banning you. Now your only chance of making any money through Facebook is gone because you're banned because you did something stupid. And so, you got to think of it that way. Longer term, these companies are going to get better at identifying fake accounts and stuff like that. So is it really worth it ruining your name for your entire career? No, yeah, probably not. Yeah, not at all. And I mean, if I look at my businesses over 2016 as heading to 2017, I spend a significant amount of money each month with Facebook, with Google. Um, but it's all stuff that, you know, I would sit down with Mark Zuckerberg himself and say, you know, hey, can you help me scale this campaign out? Because here's what I'm trying to do. And and that's what I do when I talk to my rep there is I, you know, I, I show them everything and, and we work together. We collaborate. And a lot of times I'll get feedback from them. Hey, you know, your lookalike audience, um, we could kind of tweak this, that and this. And and it and it really helps. It's it's really good feedback. And same thing with AdWords. I spend a significant amount in there, um, but I'm doing all the channels. I'm using the retargeting. I'm I'm pay per click. I'm doing the um, display buys. You know, so I'm using every aspect of their platform, um, and I'm able to to optimize with my reps and contacts at the company. But they have everything. They've got my landing pages. They've got my uh, they've got everything of the all my creatives even. You know, and, and they work. We work together on that, and so it makes it even 
I guess, easier to buy traffic because I'm not having to um, worry about them seeing stuff because I'm showing it to them to start out because they know um, that I'm going to spend a lot and, and they know that I'm also going to be very consistent in my spending, which is what they're looking for too. They want, they're in the, they're in business to make money. Obviously Facebook and, and AdWords, they want to sell ads, uh, but it's just, um, you know, who are they selling to then who's consistent and then what's your budget. And so even recently we had a, a conference call in December planning for quarter one and I broke down my budget. Here's what, Here's what, how much I plan on spending with you, AdWords. Now, where can we allocate this the best? And then here's what we're going to do. If we reach this target CPA on this campaign, then we're going to scale up here. And what can we do to make that happen? And so that's where I started to see a lot of the really good feedback from the reps is when I when I started talking about, well, if I can get this CPA on this campaign, then we'll be able to scale even more so. But if not, then we'll continue on this quarter one budget. Yeah. And there's a few people mentioning that, you know, there's some guys doing black hat stuff and been doing it for eight years and stuff. Well, past performance doesn't indicate future success just because it's working now. Doesn't mean it'll work from uh, five years from now, one year from now, six months from now. In fact, I have a story about P my, my blog PPC mode. When I first started running on AdWords, it instantly got flagged and I got suspended. I was like, okay, great. And so I called them up. And it took a while. I had to show them my entire site. I had to show them my funnel. I had to show them my products, everything. And I, because I called them, showed them everything, they unflagged my account and I was able to, to actually run my course and stuff like that through AdWords. But the reason that they banned me was that initially they thought that I was doing, I was in the work from home niche and mm -hmm. they don't like that niche, even though it's a huge niche, they don't like it. And so now because I have a real product and you know, a legitimate company that it's courses, I'm not, not promising any financial, you know, amount of wealth. I'm just saying, here's, if you're wanting to learn a skill, here you go. I'm now able, able to run on keywords that most companies can't. And it does extremely, extremely well just because of being white hat. Yeah, that's, that's really smart. And, and that's, that's a lot of the same here. Um, just kind of highlighting back over um, what we've talked about, I want to just say some of the growth sectors um, for 2017 and kind of just switching gears back to, um, kind of what we've talked about, but a growth sector is going to be app installs. Um, we're going to see that continuing to grow in 2017, um, much as we have over the last five years. As we've highlighted, though, it's not going to be this big wide net where we have these tremendous budgets. It's going to be more performance um, oriented. It's going to be more uh, KPI oriented, and it's going to be more selective. So it's not like um, I know at RevMax, for example, we don't just put every app install we have across the network. So you can't just go sign up and start running 10 apps. No, we have to be able to gauge your traffic. We have to know about how your traffic works and how it does on KPIs. So we may start you with one app install with one client. And then we'll see over time how your traffic converts for them, how your buys work, how fast you ramp up. And then we give you another one after that. And so it's a more of a personalized experience, but that's um, going to be a huge growth sector. Um, in my opinion, in 2017 is app installs. And then as Brent has mentioned, paper call, it's going to be just, I think 2017 is really going to be a breakthrough year for that. To the best way to sum up 2017 and the future just in general is it's going to be quality over quantity. In the past, most advertisers would want just as much volume as they possibly could. Obviously they want sales, but they just wanted volume in both app installs, you know, paper call, physical products. But now it's gonna be about quality because now as, as marketing tools are getting better, people are able to understand, marketing teams are understanding their KPIs, what's working, what's not. There, there no, there's no longer 
this influx of traffic that just says affiliate traffic. It's now saying, okay, affiliate one is this, affiliate two is this, affiliate three is this, so we're gonna cut off affiliate two and three. Affiliate one is doing awesome. We're gonna give him a huge cap. We're gonna give him a huge boost in revenue and all that. So it's really focusing on quality traffic over quantity. And the same thing is gonna happen with pretty much every growth sector. And just kind of list them off, like we mentioned app installs, paper call, the physical product market will continue to grow, especially with the growth of e-commerce, Amazon, um, Alibaba just announced that they're coming to the United States. So we're gonna see a lot of online um, st uh, stores who grow and try and use the affiliate channel to help grow that. We're gonna see growth in, once again, quality content. You know, I've heard, I've been in SEO for a long time. That was one of the first things that I learned, the first traffic generation ways that I learned, channels that I learned. And forever I've heard SEO is dead, SEO is dead. <laughs> SEO is not dead, affiliate marketing is not dead. They're never going to die. They're just going to adapt, they're going to change. What SEO worked in 2006 doesn't work now. And the, the primary thing is you can still do black hat and you can still have success at it, but to stay around a long time, it's really about quality content and building a brand around it. Same thing with affiliate marketing. You, we're gonna to start to see you know, companies phase away from working with affiliates. We're gonna to start to see them working with, with traffic partners, you know, um, thought leaders, anyone that already has a brand or has a following rather that they think that their product would associate great with, they're gonna reach out to those people. That's, you know, I think every year, at the beginning of every year, we I see these threads pop up across the industry. Is affiliate marketing dead or rest in peace affiliate marketing 2017 or saying SEO is dead. It's, affiliate marketing is never going to die. SEO is never going to die, um, but it's going to adapt. It's going to develop and it's going to progress and it's going to change. And I just, I just completed a huge SEO I was doing last month uh, for one of my companies. And you know, you're still doing this on-page SEO, you're still doing this link building, but it, there's a lot of things changed. It's not like it used to be back in five years ago or even 10 years ago. And you can't be SEOing, you can't be sending traffic to something that's weak, meaning that it can't look like an affiliate site. You don't want to look like an affiliate. And so in my, in my notes here, I, I list Retail Me Not as um, an example, because if you go to Retail Me Not, obviously they do not look like an affiliate, but they are a tremendous, probably one of the largest affiliates in the world um, for many products. Uh, for many mainstream products, but their site, you know, they have their coupon site and app, it doesn't look like that. So, I mean, that's that's taking it to the extreme because obviously, retail me not, they could walk into a room uh, full of traffic networks and say, I want your traffic. Obviously, everyone's gonna be running over to them, but they're promoting other products and they're making a commission on it, but they don't look like an affiliate. It's not that weak site or that weak break page or uh, landing page, it's an actual full site that's really good and something that even a, a tool that I, I use all the time, and my wife has it on her phone as well, um, to try to get uh, discounts. So no, affiliate marketing's not dead. It's never going to die, but it's going to change. And you can't look like an affiliate. So the term affiliate will die. And we've seen that and we said that. It's marketing partners, as you said, um, agencies, uh, media buyer. That's more of the term where affiliate marketing is going um, instead of just a typical affiliate. Yeah, and as far as so just a few years ago, if you asked, you know, just a person walking down the street, hey, do you know what affiliate marketing is? A lot of people, some people would know, but a lot of people still didn't know what it was. 
now we're starting to see a lot of apps and stuff take advantage of like refer a friend. So like if I'm using a specific app and I want, you know, gold in a game or whatever, you know, I want some type of badge or something, I get someone else to sign up. People are aware of that. Uber, for example, send a, send a friend to Uber, get 20 bucks, free ride, stuff like that. So the term affiliate marketing people are more, they're getting more and more used to it. They're, they understand that your specific link makes you money from them doing something. But a lot of people are okay with it as long as they're getting a coupon or a discount or they trust you. Like just the fact that I have an affiliate link, for example, doesn't even if you trust me, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to purchase it. But if I have a coupon with that affiliate link, then that means that you're going to purchase it because it's an incentive to do it. And we're definitely going to see a lot more of those with coupon sites and stuff like that growing. And just the fact that you, you'll be able to have uh, more sales as long as, once again, you're providing some type of value, the content, the, the trustworthiness of your content or a coupon of some sort. Yeah, I, I think social media has helped that a lot too, because really anyone on, on social media can be an affiliate because they can recommend a brand, a product, a service. And whether they even use an affiliate link or not, they're still kind of acting as that middle man that, that represents that. And and so I, I kind of feel like that the refer a friend business model, I mean, I think that's really grown with social media. And, and you know, I think that's something that we're going to continue to see more and more of, not so much called uh, affiliate marketing, more of the refer a friend based on reviews. And I think reviews now rule the roost, so to speak. I know before I buy anything, I go really detailed into the reviews, and uh, especially on Amazon. But then again, I take some of them with a grain of salt and do a little bit more research to make sure that no one's fudged those, even though they they try to combat that it still does happen but you know i think um you know, i think that that whole business model as a whole is still a baby and so it's gonna be interesting to watch where that goes the whole refer a friend type model um all over social media and for different brands where where they go with that so to speak <clears throat> yeah you're as far as like the reviews and everything we're definitely in an information based economy what do you do when you have any type of problem? You know, my eyeball hurts. Google it. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> you know, um, oh, I want to purchase. What's the best? Uh, whatever. Co what's the best coffee? Amazon coffee. Oh, this is number one. Here you go. This has seventeen thousand reviews. This one has three. Which one are you going to buy? Exactly. Most people are going to go after the seventeen thousand review one, and it's because we're we're so used to looking stuff up. And so, one thing that kind of irks me, and I I do advertise stuff like this just because it's what people search. But when people say, hey, they're a mobile marketer or they're a, you know, whatever specific marketer, don't go after specific stuff. Mobile is a channel. It's a device that people access content through. Don't become just a mobile marketer. You need to be a multi-channel, um, omni-channel marketer. Mobile, desktop, tablet, um, internet of things is going to be growing. Soon enough, your coffee maker if you run out of coffee, it's going to be aware of it and it's going to be like, hey, you need to order some more. You want Starbucks? You want this? Bing, right? So this stuff is all going to grow. You want to be at, in as many different channels and devices as possible. Yeah. Um, if I could just stop you for a second there, Brett, thanks for saying that because that's, I had someone ask the other day, like, how are you such a good marketer on Facebook or on AdWords? I'm like, okay, don't departmentalize it. It's not, you're not a Facebook marketer. You're not just an AdWords marketer. You're a, a performance marketer. You're looking to create that marketing blitz on 
all the channels. So you're not just mobile, you're not just Facebook, you're not just display. You should look at it like every channel is an advantage for your business. Every advantage, every channel is what it says it is. It's a channel. So you should have multiple ones for your business. So when I go to promote anything, I don't just look at like I'm just a mobile marketer. I'm looking at every every channel that I can send traffic to, I'm looking at, I'm going to use that to my advantage and I'm going to be a multifaceted marker marketer and I'm going to create that marketing blitz. So people can't, when I'm promoting something, I want people to hear it everywhere, not just on Facebook, not just across AdWords displayed network and not just when they're typing it in Google search box. I want people to see whatever I'm promoting everywhere that they go. And of course, I'm going to take advantage of retargeting. I, I don't think that people, especially affiliates, don't use that enough. But the reason they don't use it enough is because they can't. Not You cannot retarget an aggressive landing page that you've cloaked, but you can retarget a brand you developed or a site you've developed or your own app you've developed. Yeah. And Kind of going back to devices real quick, and then I will get into the retargeting spot because I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan. Uh, you you got to use some common sense. If someone's on their mobile device and you pop up, chances are if anything else better comes up, they're going to close whatever you're talking about and they're going to open something else up. So only use it for little, you know, giving them really quick tips, giving them really quick information because mobile pe people on mobile devices got extreme AD, ADD, right? Because they're doing stuff in real life in most cases. They're standing in line at the bank, they're bored, they look something up, they only have a few seconds. So just use that to kind of get into their, you know, remind them that you're around. However, if someone's on their desktop, that means that they're going to be there for a bit. So you can, you know, go into a harder core sales copy or, you know, whatever you're trying to do, provide them a long, a lot more content and stuff like that. If they're on their tablet, for example, they're in buyer mode usually, because it means they're sitting on their couch, they're chilling, they're just kind of scrolling through stuff. And so kind of, obviously this isn't a hundred percent, but kind of understanding what people are doing on devices is extremely important. And that ties into retargeting. Like Ryan mentioned, not a lot of the affiliates currently are using retargeting. And I had read an article is a few months ago now that was mentioning how marketing is the battle of the pixels. And what, what they meant by that was, is if, I, if you go to my website on a mobile device, I know that I can't really hard sell you on anything, but I can retarget you. And now I can, I can uh, pop up on your Facebook feed. I can pop up on your ad, you know, AdWords, wherever AdSense is popping up. I can follow you on Twitter. I can do all this stuff and provide the content that you're looking for when you're looking for it. So for example, if all of a sudden you're on YouTube, you're going to, you're going to start seeing a video of me and stuff like that. That's extremely powerful because now they've already been introduced to you. They're already aware of who you are a little bit. And now they're like, Hey, I've seen this face before. Let me go ahead and listen to it. It's the same thing of branding. The reason McDonald's has brand budgets and stuff is they're not telling you, Hey, go buy this burger. They're just doing people. They're just showing images of people being happy, eating their food and stuff. Right? So when you're in a place that you don't know, and there's Burger King and McDonald's, basically, unless you have other thought processes of, you know, understanding McDonald's food and how bad it is and stuff, if everything else you understand is just the brand, instantly your brain's going to associate, hey, I see McDonald's a lot. This is a trusted thing because I'm aware of it. People only think about what they know about, obviously. And so kind of using repixels, retarding pixels and stuff will associate you in their head of, wow, this guy's everywhere. He must know what he's talking about. He must be an expert or he must be very trustworthy. And it's not going to happen instantly, but it will happen over time. 
Yeah, I, I'm in the web hosting niche as well. So I, I know well about, you know, trying to make that brand for yourself and, you know, how you try to associate that. And even at RevMax too, we tried to, um, <coughs> we're associating the brand RevMax with mobile platform or um, user acquisition as a whole. So when people, and it's because so it's not just even, you know, you mentioned McDonald's, so it's not just people looking for something neat. It's every business, you know, is trying to associate that brand with what they're doing, web hosting, that niche. Um, then you, you go into mobile or software development or tracking even and, and people um, and so that can be cross niched it's not just um, you know the physical stores that are the physical brands that we've seen for so many different years yeah and with the retargeting pixel and stuff like that that I'm glad that you mentioned physical stores we haven't seen it yet but I'm, I'm sure we will see it I've already mentioned it a few times um, like apps like uh, I think it's shop kicks and stuff like that the cool thing is is you got to associate retargeting with if you're on their phone at all you're basically following them around wherever they go, whatever they do. And with physical stores, it's going to help because if they know that you were looking up a new couch, right, just a few hours earlier, and then you walk into a couch store, they know exactly which couches you were looking for. And so they can pop up, hey, this specific couch that you were looking for, one very similar is on sale. Here it is. And then pop up indoor Google Maps. Here's the couch. You're going to be a lot more you know, you're going to really want to buy that specific couch because you got a personalized alert coupon just for walking in the store. Now we haven't really seen stores do that yet, but it's definitely going to appear eventually. And ones that understand all that, the ones that have the list, the ones that have this data are going to be able to even work with physical stores as well in the future by doing stuff like this. Yeah, that's going to be, that's, I'm super pumped about that. I mean, we live in the future and, and those type of ads and that type of advertising is going to be very exciting to see that actually hit the physical world and the physical retargeting. Um, I think it's going to be pretty cool, pretty cool and a lot of opportunities even for performance marketers as a whole. Yeah. And as far as we've got another question, as far as focusing on one channel at a time, if you're absolutely new to something, then yes, you want to focus on one channel at a time. Like for example, I didn't learn all this stuff all at one time. Like I mentioned, I first started with SEO because I had no money and I wanted, you know, everyone at the time was marketing SEO as the free way to get traffic. And it was, but it took time. Paid traffic is a huge, a huge, it's got tons of subcategories, you know, email lists, social, as we know, and learning, Learning paid traffic will take you a bit more time, so focus in on one thing at a time, but just understand the channel as a whole will very much help you. And retargeting is making this easier because you you don't have to learn every single channel, um, like the targeting metrics and all that stuff, because if someone, if someone looks you up on a channel that you do understand and then you retarget them on these other channels, that targeting is already done for you. There's not much else. It's, it's most likely going to work because you're following around a person that's already been associated with you. So yes, focus on one channel to learn it, but as soon as you can purchase traffic on every channel that you can, as long as it's working. And usually retargeting is extremely, extremely valuable. Once again, battle the pixels. Yeah, I like that a lot because you said it, you don't have to worry about getting that audience at first and tuning into that audience. And with Facebook and Google both having their lookalike audiences, I'm seeing success there, not as much as I'm going to because I know they're going to get better the more pixels they collect and the more conversions. And so they're like this whole data mining machine. And as they get that for more industries, it's going to be pretty much, hey, I want web hosting leads. Okay, I'm going to bid for this. Or, hey, I want, uh, I'm looking for 
affiliates or I'm looking for whatever. And you're gonna be able to type it in and get those type of leads sent right to you for obviously for a, a fee. But you know, I think that's that's really a lot better in my opinion than having to break out campaigns will target females and they're in 40 to 45 in I don't know, in, in a specific state or something. You know, it just more sense to me to the battle of the pixels. Yeah. And you have to understand, guys, that your traffic that you're sending to these advertisers, they definitely have pixels on. And so like Brian mentioned, Facebook has lookalike audience. Google has a uh, lookalike audience. I don't, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, what it's doing is it's taking all of Google's data, all of Facebook's data. They're seeing who is already purchasing your product and they're finding people that meet those same demographics and there's your campaign. And so if you're sending traffic at a performance level to these advertisers, they're the ones getting all that pixel data, not you. And right. so eventually, once they get enough data and once Facebook and Google gets good enough with their lookalike audiences, bye-bye, Mr. Affiliate, because they don't need you anymore because they just turn on their lookalike audience and they know that everyone, that that, that campaign is gonna be more profitable than what you were doing. The only reason, once, once we switch to, once things get that good with targeting, the only reason these companies are going to need affiliates that own no property or own no assets or own no product is because they want you to do the cloaking or some shady shit on their for them. They don't want to do it themselves. And that will be your only competitive advantage unless you start to build your own channels of traffic or your own content and products. Yeah. I did have a question just kind of unrelated, but related to this webinar, someone asked why a last minute switch from go to webinar. Um, we wanted to use Google Hangout for this and I really wanted to do it from the beginning. I thought we could transition into go to webinar. I thought we could transition into it, but if there's a way, I'm not sure how. It didn't work as planned, so we kind of last minute swapped the link out uh, to our Hangout here, but that's the only reason why we wanted to use Hangouts to where we could have our cameras and we like how the, the camera switches when we're talking, so that's really it, just kind of a, the way we presented it. That's the only reason to answer your question, though. The short answer is we wanted you guys to see our beautiful faces when we were talking, and GoToWebinar couldn't provide that. So, <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, we can hook up our webcams, but it's really this is awkwardness because it won't switch off when you're talking. And plus, I was representing my ClickFunnels shirt. So, <laughs> so I guess we can. Did you have anything else to mention? If not, I was going to say we can hop into Q and A because I know that we skipped over some stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I can't see the questions that, but go ahead and, and I can help answer. Uh, let's see here. VR asked, I'm hosting my landing pages on a CDN. Is it okay if my tracking server is located in the U.S. if I plan on running mobile pops in other countries across the world? I think that's a question for you, Ryan, for sure. Yeah, it's something I've split tested. You know, nowadays with CDNs and, and um, especially Cloudflare, they have their railgun technology. I haven't noticed that huge of a difference as long as I'm as long as I formatted my page correctly and I've minified my JavaScript, minified my CSS, even minified my HTML. I'm not really seeing a tremendous need. And I've split tested this, and we've talked about this a little bit, Brent. I've split tested campaigns in in Europe on a European server versus campaign in Europe with a U.S. server and vice versa. And I haven't um, I haven't seen a, a big enough difference to make a difference. Um, I used to before I'd really get super anal about how my page was set up. So really it all goes down to making making your designing your landing page or developing your landing page with speed in mind. Don't add a bunch of unnecessary stuff, optimize your images, minify everything, uh, don't make unnecessary JavaScript calls and stuff like that. If you do all that, then pretty much nowadays you're going to be fine using a US server 
as long as you're um, using the resources available to you. So each situation is unique, but if nothing else, split test it. But um, even as a web hosting provider, we quit really worrying about um, having different servers in different areas because we found through our split testing and through feedback um, that really as long as the page is designed and set up um, the right way and you can Google website speed tests and there's uh, the GT metrics and there's one from Pingdom um, you, and they will both help you out to see where you're falling behind. And as long as you're, you're scoring pretty high on those, then I really wouldn't worry too much about it. All right, so we had another question as far as when we were talking about local paper call he said, local like Kansas, how about international, for instance, in Nairobi? Now, I'm probably murdering that, that city, pronouncing it. But the, the answer is it will work in theory. Obviously, I've never tried it in that country. But if there's businesses that need customers, then yes, it could work. And the only way to know that is to go talk to a business owner um, and you know say, hey, are you interested in getting calls to your business? If, if those particular certain uh, particular businesses actually do use calls and usually it's more home services and stuff like that that are more interested in calls other companies just want you to send people to their website obviously paper call they wouldn't really be interested in so the answer is is yes in theory it can work internationally however the tools and stuff that i'm using i think are only us and canada maybe europe so you may have to kind of make your own system to do it in these other countries now the good news about that is, is if you have to do stuff that is even a, even more difficult than how I'm doing it in your country, that means pretty much no one else is going to compete against you and you can, you can dominate that entire niche and even eventually create your own product that does, you know, the types of tracking stuff that we need and actually sell it in that country. Now, obviously that's a lot longer term, but that is an option. Um, as far as we have another question seen some solid ideas about promoting content marketing with media buys for powerful ROIs. Is this something that you imagine seeing more of this year? And I think the answer to that is yes, it ties exactly into retargeting, remarketing. Creating content matters because the quality content and kind of building your audience, retargeting helps that. And so no longer can you just have just a website. You need to be able to be doing video. You need to be doing podcasts. You need to be doing whatever right yeah i think one of the magic words is video <laughs> adding yeah. that video into the mix on facebook on on youtube and, and using that and ironically if you see the screen screen right behind me in this nice light <laughs> i bought all this stuff because i'm i plan on going ham with video content because as far as even ryan mentioned his four-year-old nephew uses youtube all the time so as the future as the generations grow more and more i think are going to be uh, more engaged in video content over just reading it. I think that they'll, they'll better comprehend video content. I know for sure that I, I'm able to uh, absorb information much better on video when someone's talking to me through video or you know watching it, them doing it over the shoulder, than reading about it in a guide. You know, guides are cool once you watch the video, so both do help because then I watch the video and now I have a reference point of just a guide, but just the guide alone, I wouldn't be able to learn it as well. So to answer your question, yes, doing media buys for content marketing is incredible, especially if you're on your own products, your own brand, 
stuff like right. that. And, and diversify your content. Videos, use guides too, but the video, especially this new generation coming up, uh, I personally, I use YouTube a lot. And I, I do, to put it bluntly, I crush YouTube. And so you can too. That's So focus on that. Put a piece, put a YouTube video into a piece of content and media buy with that. And so that's kind of hitting in all the angles. You have the text content, have the video, and you're just buying your ads to that to that lander or whatnot. Yeah. So this is more of a comment, but SEO is more alive now than ever. Google adapting AI will impact so many things. I'm so excited to learn more about the new algorithm. Yes. Mm -hmm. As Google, we kind of mentioned this, all these companies with a lot of data, the more data they have, the more better decisions they're going to make. And so if you're not providing value to the particular person that's searching for that article or whatever, or whatever they're searching for, you're not going to show up. And kind of like how we just mentioned, some people are used to video content. Some people are used to just audio. Some people are used to uh, basically blog posts. I think what will happen is, is even Google will start to recognize the type of content that you're more engaged with. And so if you search something, even though you know there's thousands and thousands and thousands of websites, videos, and audio, based on what you're used, based on what they recognized you as the primary source of information, that's what will pop up. And the only way to make sure that you pop up for as many things as possible is to have all these different types of content. And so SEO is more alive than ever. I totally agree. I agree and, too. And creating quality is the way to go. Like to be honest with you, ironically, even in my, my blog is about paid traffic, right? PPC. And I'm absolutely murdering it in SEO right now. I rank for some terms <laughs> that I'm outranking Outbrain and all this stuff. And what's funny is, is the, a lot of you guys came through Google, a lot of you came through YouTube, while well, a lot of my competitors are only getting traffic through forms. And because that's because they only know pay traffic, they don't understand SEO. And so once again, I'm, now I'm going to be merging the video content as much as possible. I know Ryan's killing it with podcasts and video. And so I'm, I'm trying to grow my content verticals as well. Yeah, I think you. I think everyone can look at me and Brent and kind of how we take our own blogs and our own businesses, and you can kind of see to where we've developed uh, more so than just paid media affiliates. You know, we do everything. It's the full marketing package, and so that's the way you should look at it. SEO isn't dead. Affiliate marketing is not dead. Everything's more alive than ever, but it's a complete marketing blitz, not just that one departmentalized channel as it may have been five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. And one thing that Ryan and I just had a conversation about is the one thing that I do struggle with, and this is something that if you do as well, it will totally impact your results, is the fact that I'm not as consistent as I need to be. And I'm definitely going to be working on that this year, you know, consistently creating content. Because if you go with long spurts of, oh, he's gone for two months, now he's back, that entire audience that you just grew didn't get content for two months, they just merged on to someone else. Yeah. Right? Just because you weren't creating the content. Uh, yes, the webinar is going to be saved on the channel, so you can rewatch it. Yes. Another question is, what do I call myself as far as a marketer or affiliate or something else? Um, performance marketer is better than affiliate marketer, but um, I go by full stack marketer. The you know the terms don't matter too much when I present myself to most businesses. You got to understand that when when people are approaching them, most of the time it's, hey, I'm an SEO and I can get you on ranked on Google and all this stuff. They don't know any of that. They don't know any of those terms. And so all I do is I come up, I say, hey, I can provide you customers and service. I can provide you customers. Are you interested in calls from people that want your service? 
what is a guy get, what is a business going to say? Yes. And so it's, if they ask what I am, I'm just a marketer, right? And so it's affiliate marketer. I would step away from performance marketer is probably a better term. If you are just looking for a term. Yeah. Good thing it's changing. Tom and I, uh, good thing it's changing recently. Okay. So Tom's kind of making a, a comment here that he's, he was mentioning good thing is changing. He was, he just got a marketing graduate job and he was trying to, I think what he's saying is he was trying to purchase advertising on premium sites, but was struggling to actually just buy advertisements on individual sites. And I'm assuming that he was, he asked this question during retargeting. And so the fact that you're able to retarget takes out that unnecessariness of, you know, reaching out to these sites individually. What to focus on. We already answered that one. As far as the paper call, you said you mentioned you missed the first 30 minutes. Um, we just kind of did an overview of paper call. I am working on a guide blog post. I will be making videos and stuff like that and be creating um, a lot more content on paper call, showing a lot of stuff that I know for a fact no one else is doing, and then also showing stuff that most guys are charging for, even though it's pretty basic stuff. So I'll be coming out with a free guide here. Um, sometime this month. Have you guys, so Tom asked, have you guys considered plugging your own web properties into a header bidding solution? It's what my company does and it's really boosted eCPMs. What do you mean by header? You mean like above the menu? I'm not, not even really sure what that is. Do you know what a header bidding solution is, Ryan? I'm not, no, I'm not sure. All right. Well, that seems to be all the questions at the moment. If anyone has any questions, go feel free to uh, ask it in the live chat on uh, YouTube and we will get it answered. Other than that, I think that's pretty much it. Did you have anything else, Ryan? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's about it. Um, I did want to mention your course. Uh, those that are, um, have been following us, they, they, they know about it, but if you just join us, Brent did a really good course on mobile this year. He's released it, and in my opinion, it's um, one of the latest and greatest on uh, on kind of dominating and learning all of mobile traffic. So um, make sure you check that out, and I don't know if we had a, had a link or, or whatnot. Uh, maybe we'll send it out with the, the replay here. Um, but that, I do recommend checking that out for 2017 because you're not going to get that outdated type information. It's new and, and the latest. And um, But other than that, that's all I really have to add. Um, I do look forward to doing, doing more of this, of course. We've been um, I, I did, schedule. Go ahead. I did want to mention about the course that the majority of it is you're going to be learning more traditional marketing because if you didn't get that from this webinar, you really need to be focusing on not necessarily more traditional marketing, but understanding fund the marketing fundamentals, understanding that there is an actual real person on the other side of that phone generating that lead sale or action. And you need to be finding the correct people that are best going to convert and provide uh, a quality lead or quality sale to the advertiser. There's a lot of people that get hung up on just doing tactics like, oh, what kind of... Uh, what kind of quick trick can I do on my traffic source to get a lower CPC and just bid Ron or whatever? It's, you know, that it still works, but it's going to die off. You really need to understand how to do your research, how to find people that are interested in your product and service that you're advertising. That's the primary thing that you need to be learning. Um, did get one other question as far as would it be good? I, 
a good way to apply machine learning skills to affiliate marketing? And the answer to that is yes, it's already happening. That is, you know, retargeting is machine learning. Um, auto optimization is machine learning. So like we kind of mentioned, Facebook and Google are the, uh, getting better at their data. And so machine learning, even if you don't take advantage of it, they're already taking advantage of it. And so if you're, if you have knowledge on how to do machine learning, how to automate functions when running your campaigns and absolutely take advantage of it, the more you can automate, the better you're going to do personally, because it means that you can be quicker. Um, and then uh, don't want to make it too much longer here, but Tom mentioned that, that header bidding is basically having a piece of code on your site that calls multiple SSPs to complete to compete on each ad impression so you get the highest ECPM. And so that's sites called multiple. So it's basically like having multiple DSPs and stuff plugged in through an RTB. So it's automatically finding the highest ECPM for your ads. And so me personally, I don't run ads on my own properties. I make my own products associated with those sites because with ad blockers, I don't want to get into this too much, but with ad blockers and stuff, banner disp uh, display advertising isn't necessarily dying, but it's definitely going down in the amount for the first time ever. Um, in previous years, display advertising has continuously grown. And now with ad blockers becoming mainstream, it's kind of worthless to have ads on your site. So you're much better going to be equipped if you're, if you're, creating your own products or going direct with someone else and marketing it in, in ways that may not be directly display advertising, but, you know, kind of doing posts about a product to actually providing value about the product and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think uh, that's been combated with the, um, the native type ad companies that have came out the in content ad companies. But I think a lot of that might or not might, it's going to come under fire with this whole new fake news thing that you're seeing in mainstream media right now is that because that's what a lot of those sites do, right? They're, they're not worrying so much about their big display units that everyone ever looks now. And they're, you know, they're the most risque pictures you can imagine. They're putting below their article so people click it and it's a whole traffic uh, circle. You know, that's, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there right now still, but it's something that's going to come under fire. It already is. Yeah, absolutely. And Rod asked, where do you see social media automation going in 2017? And to, as far as social media specifically, I know that Facebook just launched their, uh, not really just launched, but they're definitely growing it, their partner platform, which is basically competing against Google AdSense. And so what that means is that ads will be on, um, like your website through Facebook. So Facebook is the one that's generating the ad and then you would make money through Facebook just like AdSense works. And so social media automation specifically, I think once again, Facebook is getting much better at capturing data. They already have all the demographics data. They already know what you are clicking on, you know, in the middle of the night when you're bored there, they already know, you know, what, what interests you and stuff like that. And so I think that, they're going to just keep harnessing that data. And then when you start visiting other sites, kind of like Amazon's doing when there's a specific product or something that they think that you'll be interested in, that the automation will be that there's going to be better ads served to you. So like if you just looked up, uh, why can't I sleep? And it's 2 AM. And then you visit some other website, Facebook, for example, is going to pop up an ad for a, you know, how to go to sleep ebook or, you know, a, melatonin pill or something like that that's that's where the automation power will come 
And I've also noticed Facebook is actually targeting your the posts you see in your newsfeed based on what you like. Um, it recently, it's been big with the election and stuff, uh, political views. I noticed that um, the, the people's stories I see, my friends, the, what shows up in my newsfeed at the high edge rank are those that side with me, my political views. I'm actually seeing their stories and I haven't liked their stuff in particular. I've liked specific stuff, maybe a page or maybe a candidate. And so I'm seeing that. So I think that's, it's really cool cool because they're doing the same thing not only with with ads but they're doing that with actually what you read and, and the, what you absorb so it's kind of creepy a, <laughs> that's a great observation and and that's just a that's facebook filling a need for a generation that grew up being told that they can be a me generation that people care about you and to be honest we're on facebook trying to trying to advertise ourselves to other people you know and no one else cares because they're doing the same thing. And so I think that ties in really well. Like that, I didn't even really think about that, Ryan. So that's amazing that, you know, Facebook knows that you're gonna stick around on Facebook a lot longer if the stuff you see is agreeing with your you, which is not good in the long term because now you're just gonna think that you're always right, but it is a way that social media automation is definitely growing. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense for sure. Yeah. And I, I think that's pretty much it. I think we're going to wrap this up for now. I don't want to get in too long. Yeah. We definitely, we said this last time and then we kind of fell off the map as far as doing these, but I, you know, I think me and Ryan are definitely going to be doing more of these. Cause I kind of like having these discussions when we talk about things and other people ask questions and stuff, we are able to kind of think about concepts and, and move forward as stuff that we, you know, didn't really think about before. So these are extremely fun for me. Yep, me too. Me too. Thanks everyone for joining us. I, I'm glad that uh, we made this time work. Um, we're going to be experimenting with different times, so just stay tuned to our blogs or email list, and we'll let you know about the next one. Um, but we are going to have a replay. Those that could not make it live, so thanks so much. Send us feedback. We love hearing. You know, what you like, what you not like, and we'll tailor to, towards that. So thanks everyone. Yeah, and, and if for whatever reason we missed your question or whatever, you know, feel free to reach out and and even to, you know if you have something that you want us to talk about, I think both. Don't want to speak on your behalf, Ryan, but I think that we both really enjoy talking about concepts that are not just limited to, you know, just mobile CPA and stuff. I definitely like talking about more abstract, kind of seeing where the future of things are going and kind of blending that into new concepts that we can make money from. And so, Absolutely. if you guys have any, if you guys have any comments or anything that you want us to talk about, just send them our way because I, you know, it gives good uh, topics to talk about. Yep. All right, guys. We will uh, be doing another one in shortly. So thanks to everyone for joining us. It was uh, extremely fun. Yep. Thanks, everyone.